I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Steph March. And we are here on this glorious Saturday. I have a new keyboard. (laughs) Oh, see how that goes? That's weird. Uh, It is a glorious Saturday. I'll do the weather report for Stephanie. Oh, okay. Thank you. Top 10 day. Top 10. Maybe a little rain later. Oh, really? I thought there was no rain possible. Well, and I am trying to get my gardens watered, so I'm probably like trying to manifest rain. Oh, I think maybe you are. Just a little. Yeah, I uh, I did. Uh, we planted a tree yesterday. Oh, where? Uh, in my front yard. Was it for Ronan or for yourself? Or no, just... just for yeah. It was a it was a it was a um, housewarming guest, oh. a housewarming guest gift, housewarming gift from uh, the O'Reilly Kelly O'Reilly Farm. You know, trees as gifts or shrubs are real meaningful. Yeah, and I got a shrub a long time ago, and I brought it from my Edgecombe Roadhouse to my condo in Selby Dale. And then when we moved, I didn't take it. Yes. And I drove by that house yesterday. Oh. And I saw my rhododendron in bloom and I'd gotten it as a gift. And I was like, oh, you I should can't have taken take... that. No, just go get another rhododendron. Well, but it was meaningful because I moved it from house to house. I know. Trees are great gifts. They are great. So and are so we planted it and it's Mabel the Maple. I and like it. we're going to see how that goes. Because my front yard, you guys, when I moved in last year, it was bleached out. Because between the time... That, you know, I bought the house and I moved in was a month and a half. Not a lot of care on that lawn. Yeah. <clears throat> but also, I'm not really a big lawn care kind of gal. I'll be totally honest with you. I <laughs> you could, like mowing. I could get, I like mowing. It's very meditative for me. I didn't want to do the three hour mow that I used to do in the old house. But I also um, don't care. Like, I'm not like invested in whether I just need to mow it because it's there. Yeah. Um, and because you want to keep good relationships with your neighbors well, and not have field mice running yeah, through to their I, house. I mean, I've got there's neighborhood cats. We're good on the field mice. And I live next to a pond, so they exist. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I would say that there's like, you know, the no mow may thing. I was laughing at everybody who had to like chop down, you know, the yeah. jungle as of June one. I had to mow. I mean, I did mow. I mowed the week before because my dandelions were done. You know, like they were all poofy. So right. I was like, now it's time I can mow. Well, and I'm just obsessed with worms. Yeah, you are. And I nobody else I know is talking about them are like all you are. Over Golden Valley, my goodness. And if you have them and you want any advice, DM me. There is some stuff you can do, but it barely makes a dent. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling about it. Um, and up north in Ely, my whole garden is planted. I have red like those warming tents on my tomatoes, and my mother-in-law is up there now. Um, and like it's fifty. Yeah, like. I, I honestly, it'll be such an interesting growing season up there because it's going to be a cool summer. Yeah, that's what I hear, too. Which down here is like 65, you know, things can grow, but barely. But up there, that's 55. Well, yeah, I know. And that's the thing is like, remember last summer was like blazing and dry. hot. The water up at, up north at our cabin, the water is three feet higher. Yeah. And it, it was a drought last year. Right. It was a drought because then it was, it was the... Everything That's was crazy. baking and then there was less rain and it just got bad. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Jake's graduation from high school was just like, we were just like baking in the sun. Those kids in those caps yep. and gowns it was 90. It was horrible. 
Um, can I, have you been watching at any of the, and I say this in honor of Lori Bargini, the Jubilee? <laughs> no, the Jubilee, the Jubilee. No, I have not. Okay. Any, but I did switch my phone, my voice on my phone to be British. Oh, that's cool. So that's Ellie okay. has that too, but yeah. I can never understand the woman. Yeah. Um, I just want to, I did not know this until yesterday. Lori told me and I was like, oh, I got to tell Steph this. <clears throat> did you know that the queen of England who's celebrating her 70th year on the throne has four drinks a day. Oh. She starts with a glass of gin at mid-morning with Dubonnet on the rocks. Sure. Okay. Great. Let's do it. Then at lunch, she has a glass of wine and then a dry martini. At, at lunch. lunch. Yeah. Then at dinner, she sips on a glass of champagne before bed. Oh. It sounds so civilized, doesn't it? It's quite. I was like, it's... that's surprising to me. Really? I mean, I don't know. It's a life of leisure. Let's be clear. Oh, she's yeah. not like totally she's not working out and she's not, you know, she's signing <laughs> documents and things like that. Probably she's not working out, but she's like reading things. You remember? Yeah. Do you watch the crown at all? Yes. Okay. So, you know, you get, she gets like a big box. Of, yes, I always picture like day. a big box of news. I wonder, is it a big box still or does she get like, oh, I bet. Is it like a thing you open on the computer. Oh, I bet that they prepare everything big, for her. Okay. And what a life of leisure. Like, if you could just daily well, have just your gin out. and read your box full of stuff, because mm-hmm. I love just sitting and reading newspapers and magazines. and <clears throat> Yeah. It sounds so civilized, I know, it? except for that, like, there's things at stake more than, like, just, like, you're not, she's not reading about, like, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. She's reading about, like, True, she's reading about, like, what's the situ- the economic situation in the south of Wales? <laughs> just like that, too. She probably sounds like that. Did yeah. you, she looked real regal. She had her hat. You're, you're and, a royalist. I am. You're a royalist. I am. And I've or been a monarchist. Very, That's how I've been very. It. My mom was big into it. So like we just always like the Princess Diana wedding. <clears throat> my God, like our well, whole house sure. stopped for two days. But it's just like now we know what we know after Princess Diana. How can you go back? I can't go back. I don't know. And I can't. I just like the whole Meghan Markle thing. Like Again, her and yeah, Harry, done and like, done. Don't yeah. care about it. And there was a really interesting. Uh, there was a newscast I caught a clip of that. Of some woman, you know, journalist in the UK, she's like, the cities, like the the local governments are all strapped for cash, like they're all hurting, and you know they're like, really, is this the best use of what? I think it was, of course, Piers Morgan, and she oh, was like, really, is well, there really stand. like what can we do? Like she's like, we're all having to cut programs, except and minimize, and they're like throwing this money at millions and millions of pounds at this jubilee, this jubilee. <laughs> And Piers Morgan is like, it's what we do best, pomp and circumstance. She's like, really? That's what we want to be known for, for like our people? Did you see, though, like I tweeted out this picture that was in front of Buckingham Palace, and there's this long road that goes to the palace, and it is literally like there's 100,000 people standing there waiting. It's just, it's crazy the amount of, and, and like the entire country has shut down for four days. Yeah. She's the most recognizable person in the world. Well, yeah. She's been around it's and in crazy. charge the longest time. Okay, can we move to another country? We can. <clears throat> Did you see, have you heard about the whole Swedish dining uproar? That's no. kind of infiltrated Reddit, and then it was New York Times, the whole thing. No. Interesting stuff. Okay, so there was like a tweeter, there was some sort of social media thing that said, what is the strangest thing that you've ever had to, uh, you know, like what is the strangest custom you've ever had to endure when at somebody's house who's from another culture? And somebody, this person came out and he said, well, when I was at my Swedish friend's house, the mom came in and told us as a kid, the mom came in and said, dinner's ready. And he looked at 
me and said, uh, you can wait here in this room. I'll be right back. And they went and had dinner and the kids stayed in the room. Like the visiting kids stayed in the room. And it kind of blew up. It was like the big thing. And that's a thing. Like in Swedish culture, in the past especially, lesser now. But the thing is, is like if you have a friend over, you're not invited to the table. Right. And they have dinner and then they continue playing. And that's a thing. Have you ever heard of this before? Yes. Well, I mean, not Swedish particular, but I had a friend that was always at my house at dinner time. And like, if we didn't plan ahead, you know, like I'd be like, mom, can Renee eat over for dinner? And she'd be like, well, not tonight. Or, you know, but she did eat over a lot. Right. But that's, and then, and that's understandable. I mean, definitely dinner is, I remember dinner being like the time when it's like, okay, you know, it's time to go home. home Yep. The play date is over. Yep. And that's that to me seems normal. But the idea of like, we're going to have our dinner. You're going to sit in this room. You're not going to come sit at the table. And they were saying that some of them were like, people will come to sit at the table, but they wouldn't feed them. Like they they'd put a chair there, but then they would not. You wouldn't get any of the food, which is so weird because like, what's one more meatball? Well, so this the Swedish, you know, a lot of the cultural people are talking about it in terms of like, you know what? Here's the thing. There's a lot of history with this. It's an old thing that doesn't really happen as much anymore, but it has, of course, been a part of the culture. One, a lot of it had to do with the fact that, yeah, there's a short growing season. And in Sweden, you have only X amount of food for, you know, that's that's the mentality is that we're, you know, to the other thing is that they don't want to like step on the toes of the other parents of the kid and feed them something. Yeah. Or take away their dinner time. And so they're kind of like, no, no, you go have dinner at home. And if you're not going to do that, then we're going to not disrespect your parents and feed you something that, you know, from that we want you to eat. And then it's this whole thing of like, you know, it's just kind of one of those weird things that has gone on. But I just thought, you know, how strange to think about sitting at a table and not sharing food. Well, and particularly you're a, someone that has had many children at your table and friends and friends and friends of those friends. Like, yeah, Thanksgiving keeps getting added on. Plus one, plus one, plus one, plus one. And our house was kind of like that, too. Even though we only had one kid, there was always a spare somewhere. Yeah. So so funny. But yeah, so that was on, I tell you what, that was in the New York Times. I was talking about it, but it was on Reddit. um, And then people just kind of were going crazy about, you know, like how they were going to like, if they were going to go hang out with someone Swedish, they were going to pack their... Their own lunch. They were going to (laughs) pack their bag with all the Cheetos they could handle so that they couldn't have to sit in a room. One person was like basically saying, yeah, it was actually kind of cool because then like I just go through their stuff. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I go... All right, when we come back, we're going to have Stephanie's going to talk to us about broasted chicken, and I have so many questions. You're listening to The Weekly Dish, presented by our friends at Hornitos. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us on Saturday. Have you ever heard of a broasted chicken? Of course you have, right? And your car smelled like chicken it for did. two years. Many, many years ago, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. So I think at that time, like, because I like roasted chicken, but I have no idea what it is. It's so, pressure cooked, right? I feel like everybody kind of rolls around town and you feel like you see something that says roasted chicken and you almost feel like you're not going to ask because you're like, you should know what that is, yeah, right? Probably. And in truth, um, it is it is a different kind of fried chicken. Actually, I think that the, remember, uh, gosh, what was it called? The little fried chicken spot in Loring Park. That was their four bells. Four bells. Remember, they had great fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Theirs was roasted, technically With pressure fried. Lavender honey, right? Yum. So there's a difference between open frying and pressure frying. And roasters 
are the pressure fry machine that was invented by this guy in Beloit, Wisconsin in 1954. And the company has gone strong ever since. And the big thing about it is it takes less time. It uses less oil. It's kind of, it's better for you in a lot of ways. You use less flour on the chicken. So it's, it's a little less bready. Um, and the deal is, is that it is, um, it's self-contained. It doesn't need, at least the ones that they're working with now are, um, they don't need a hood, which is they don't need, or they have a hood, but they don't need a vent for like a fry later. Yeah. So if you Got have it. an open fryer and there's like all the stuff going into the air, you have to take those fumes and you have to get them out of the kitchen. Yep. And by law, you have to vent in a certain way. Sometimes in new restaurants you have to, or in places you have to go up. And that means like if you can't be in like an apartment building because you right. can't go up through the floors. And if you're crowded in the city, usually you go out the side of the building. You know, there's just a big tube that goes out to yeah. the side of the building. But if you're in a city, if you have you no know, alleyways or if you have shorter distances uh-huh. between residences, you can't do that either. So it's it's a conundrum that causes the HVAC systems are really, really expensive for little restaurants. Um. And that's why they were doing the turbo chefs. Remember those little like pizza oven things? Yep. They were doing those because you wouldn't have to like, like vent it. You wouldn't have to do it. Situation. Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of what this is on a, on a bigger scale. The broaster is. And um, the reason that we know them, I think, mostly is because they've basically captured most of the market of like resorts and town bars, bars yeah. in the north. Yep. Because those people aren't, they're not able to do like huge fancy kitchens. And a lot of them are in like historic tight buildings or log cabins or it just doesn't make sense to have yep. open fry, you know? And so, uh, they, a lot of them have been doing, have had broasters for a long time. And so to be a broaster, you have to have the actual broaster machine. You have to actually use the broaster breading, the signature bread mix. And there's, I think you're supposed to also have the, buy the chickens from them or okay. something, which they get through local stuff, but then they just sell them to you. So, so it's like a licensing. Yeah. Yep. It's almost like, you know, a DOC, but what there is is uh but so then you see other things like uh flavor crisp which is just a different kind of pressure fryer right but there's all these different things and anyway so the big thing about this is this is a game changer because if you think about it there's not many places in the actual metro that are using broasters or doing like pressure frying there's a few but there's not. If you think about it, we're always everyone on the socials are mentioning places like the Lookout in Maple Grove, you know, and there's this place on 57, you know, in Anoka and uh, and and then and then Roosters is a big one that everybody calls. out. Yeah. And that was by my house. So I was thinking, like, I feel like I've had broaster chicken. Yeah. And yeah. that one, they, they don't call it broaster. They call it flavor crisp. But it is a pressure fried chicken because it's a small place. And right. I like that chicken. It's real good. I really like that chicken. Um, so but the thing is, is like as we're moving forward and as we look into how to make things fast and easy because of labor and everything else, having a broasted chicken is actually really smart because it's again, it cooks faster it does um it does uh it's and it and it kind of is like you can do more of them more evenly and uh-huh. it's it's all done by machine you know it's basically done with the temp and everything else so that you can just have it done right yep and so that you don't have to mess too hard with it you don't have to worry is it underdone you don't have to test it all that kind of stuff so Jared Brewington, who is uh funky grits you know he had the thigh times place in the grace or the galley food hall he is opening official fried chicken, which he is doing with a broaster system. And he's doing it in the bottom of an apartment building. And it's like 900 square feet. That's all. It's a pickup shop. Like it's 
It's basically like a fried chicken window for all intents and purposes. Uh But here's one thing that they're doing, which is taking. So you have Broster, which is already making things faster and easier. You take that up and a notch. He's, is he calling it Broster? So he he's using is. their batter and their stuff. He is. Okay. Although he's just calling it official fried chicken, but it is a Broster technology. But one of the things he's doing that's kind of the next step, which is taking it to the next, to bringing in, that's kind of the old tech. The new tech is really interesting to me because he's using this cabinet, this vaporwave cabinet that they take and they can do the chicken and they hold it in this cabinet that then like watches the humidity and regulates the temperature and keeps it crisp on the outside while the juices are still moving on the inside. Neat. For two hours. Isn't that crazy? Cool. I know. It's neat. It's neat. When so you that, said vaporwave, I was like, and then the barbecue flavored yes, vapor, vapor envelops wave. the roasted chicken. Yeah. No, no, not. It doesn't infuse it. It just holds it. But then the other thing that he has is, and then it goes from that cabinet to another cabinet where you put you put your order in, and then you grab it, or you put your order in, and they can go to the cabinet. They can pull out the chicken that's hot and ready and stuff that they've maybe fried up two hours ago, and then they put it in a temperature holding cabinet. So that basically while you're either driving in, if you've done it online, or you're just sort of waiting there, the minute that they put the chicken in the cabinet, it sends you a text and says, your chicken is ready. And then it's being held in that cabinet at that same, like, you know, temperature and everything Mm -hmm. else. So it's hot. So you pull it out. Even if it was cooked two hours ago, you pull it out and it's hot and ready to go. Mm. Isn't that kind of interesting? And what are they doing with, like, are there sides? There's fries and that's it. It's just three kinds of chicken. Which is the same kind of technology, I bet. Yeah. Same thing. They fry it up, they hold it, and then they put it in the cabinet. So this is the reason that this is going to change the game, I think, is because you, so this is like, he's going to have three people working there. And it's, they're like, they've got all of their stuff together. It's a clean environment. It's smaller. Um, And his point is like, he can pay people more because there's less people. So, and there's no contact between people. So a lot of people who don't want to be in the industry anymore because they, because patrons are horrible. Um, Or just, you know, health risks or whatever. That they, but they don't have to like interact with people necessarily. They just, it's like, it's kind of automated. And so here's the question for you. Like, we love service, and we're going to talk about service next hour. We are. Yep, we're going to have uh, mixologist Ian Lothar from Red Cow and Red Rabbit talk. Just talk about things. But thinking about, like, you know, the like the space for this as well. Like, this is what's interesting to me is, is if, you know, full service, you and I both were at dining spots last night that were sort of, you know, catered to you and be lovely to you. But then also there's also a place for this in terms of, like, fast and good and delicious and... And I think we have to think about it. I am starting to wonder if my dining life isn't forever changed. And then like my daughter's dining life, who she's, you know, 24 and really has existed in kind of the more fast casual space all along. And if that will just be what this is. This is what I'm this is exactly it. Like what's what's building for the future and what does that look like? And are we dinosaurs? Oh, my God. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> we'll talk about this more in the second hour, but this is the tee up to that. We'll be back. All right. <laughs> we were talking about service, and we are going to talk about that more in hour two. We kind of had an abrupt cut to it. But um, the premise of why we're going to talk about it in hour two is a couple weeks ago, I was talking to Julia on the air here, and she was going out and was going to a show and was trying to get a drink somewhere and didn't have a reservation. And she was just like, wow, it's just so different. Like you can't just pop into anywhere. There's no spontaneity. And 
it led me to talk about that things are changing. And our friend Ian Lothar, someone sent him the conversation and said, hey, you should talk to these people about the hospitality industry. So he texted me and was like, hey, I want to come on and talk about this. I was like, great, let's do it. So we will continue this conversation in hour two. But this idea that things are changing and the expectations are changing and what might be for people like uh, we'll just say 45 plus isn't really what is the experience of 24 year olds. That said, I did go to Billy Sushi this week and it was like every under 28 year old person for 10 miles was there. Yeah. And then some people that were like 55 plus that maybe live in the North Loop as empty nesters. And there was nobody in between. Like it was just this weird microcosm. It's and a, I was like, sushi's an- expensive. How can all these people afford to live in the North Loop? Well, they're and- not living. They may not be living in the North Loop. They, people love to go to Billy Sushi because it's an event. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's two things. It's one, you can't get that. You can't get sushi at home. I mean, you can do true. You can, true, true. but like most people can't make it at home. You're right. So we have to go out for it. And um, the second thing is, is that it feels like an event and it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of glammy, but not super glammy. It's super approachable. Yeah. Like you can dress up, but you definitely don't have to. And- there was a lot of half tops and sure. uh, high waisted jeans. Sure. But I will tell you also, like I was at Mara. I went to Mara this week when it opened. Funny enough, uh, we were going to go. I was with I was with Eastman and we were going to go one place and they were like, oh, we're shutting down. You know, we're closing early tonight. And we're like, oh, and we hadn't decided we weren't going to go tomorrow because we thought it'll be so jammed. Well, we walked in and we we're like, got a seat at the bar. I mean, it was busy, but it wasn't jammed. And I think a lot of people thought, well, I won't even try. Right. But it was I mean, and that's the thing is like, that's that's the other side of it. That was busy, packed. They're fully, you know, people are ready to experience that level just as much as the other level. It's like, so, and I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's an age thing. You know, I think it's actually more of a money thing. Potentially, which tends to coincide. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So we'll talk more about that because it is a really interesting topic. What else is an interesting topic is, and I don't know why I'm sort of obsessed. I went right from rhubarb to chives, which are the two kind of things that you can grow in your yard that anyone can do and put anywhere. Sun, no sun, like doesn't really matter. These things will just grow. Yeah. And I I went by my old house again yesterday and there's like this huge chive plant. And I was like, my chives that I planted, you know, three years ago, kind of by a gas meter. That's you know, where just I just that replanted mine. Yep. <clears throat> and it's great to have them. And the I just people don't know about chives, you know, because oh. we talk about it. But like the chive plant itself is fully edible, including the pretty purple flowers. Yeah. Oh, and God. Specifically the purple. Yes. Flowers. So. What I want you to know is right now the chive flowers are blooming and you can take all those pretty pink heads and put them in a mason jar and fill it with white wine vinegar, champagne vinegar. I even use distilled vinegar because Kurt can't have wine vinegars. But your flowers infuse the vinegar over a week or so with this very like light oniony flavor that's great in salad dressings, in potato salad, um, rimming the line of a glass of a Gibson martini. It's with just the vinegar this, or with the flowers? With the with the vinegar. Oh, you oh, just it, like it, swirl it, it. it around and then dump out oh, the vinegar part, but you yep. get that essence left. Yeah. Um, you can also eat the flowers, right? So you can so much eating of the flowers. I put them in pastas. I put them on. If you if you're looking for something to make your food super pretty, to snap a shot of it, those chive flowers. Yeah, Not only can, will they make it pretty, but they're delicious. You can lay them on top. Mm-hmm. Another thing you can do, and I did this, is you just soften some butter. 
And I use unsalted butter. And then you put about um, anywhere from, you know, one to three tablespoons of chives, depending on how chivey you want it. And you stir it together with a little salt. If you feel like you want to put some garlic in, you can. I usually don't. And you get this big mound then of butter. And then you roll it in parchment paper. Yep. And kind of form it into a log or a roll. And then you just twist tie the ends and throw that in your freezer. Yeah. And that is excellent on like eggs, omelets, grilled salmon, vegetables, grilled meats. Yeah. I tend to take that compound butter and use it, um, you know, the chive butter. Like I like it on a top of a burger. Like, yeah, you know, delicious. sometimes if you're just having a burger and you just do that. And actually I do. If you let the butter melt onto that burger and then you throw I throw shallots on top of that. Yum. And then that might not be a cheeseburger, but that's like a different kind of burger. Here's the other thing, too. There's those. So the little mason jars come in like an eight ounce or there's also a little four ounce. Yeah. There's no reason you can't put that chive butter inside these jars. Leave a little tiny headroom for expansion and freeze it. And that's a hostess gift. Yeah, that's a nice one. And I did. Yeah, they're I made, delicious. I made the same thing with <clears throat> ramps. You know, I made yeah. ramp butter, ramp, ramps, ramp butter, and uh, I'm handing it back. You know, it's like the farm share that we have with the Kelly O'Reilly farm. I like to give. You know, like they gave me a tree. I'm going to give them a bunch of ramp butter. See how this works? It's great. Yes. So I think, like, you know, uh, same idea that you chop everything up and you just kind of. I blended it, so mine is green. Do you, you know, use the leaves? Or I did the just whole thing. The, okay. The whole thing. Just cut off the roots. Yep. I just cut off the little hairy roots and then it's just like as much ramp as I can get into into the process, you know, and I just chop, chop, chop. And then remember, just leave your butter out overnight. Like your butter can sit out on your counter, you Absolutely. guys. <laughs> it's fine. And then just let it sit there until it gets room temperature and then you can so easy to whip it up together. Here's a trick that I screwed up when I first did this. I used to do it in wax paper, but the wax paper sticks to the butter when you freeze it. It sticks in the little like nook and crannies. Oh. So uh, parchment paper is actually much better because you can just unroll it and it doesn't stick. Yeah, or press and seal. That works. Yeah. That stuff comes off right away. I do love a good press and seal. I I love a press and seal. I never, I just got kind of converted to press and seal more recently. Oh, really? Yeah, because my mother-in-law uses it all the time and I was like, I'm not going to buy that. That's just one more thing. And oh my then God. I got it and I was like, oh, this is pretty great. Oh my God. I have, how have you been alive and cooking without press, press and, seal? and seal? Yeah, absolutely. Seriously, every dough that I've had rise is great because you seal it off just in that bowl. Zip, and then you're done. And you're all set. We are not being sponsored by Glad, just so you know. No. Uh, okay. Another thing is the chives yeah. make delicious drop biscuits. So I like chives to biscuits. Yes. Yes. And I like drop biscuits because I don't want to roll and um, roll out. (laughs) Like that's just, I don't have a biscuit cutter, but I do like a drop biscuit and I usually make them sweet because I use them with um, strawberry shortcake because you always have the ingredients on hand. Yeah. Baking soda or bake, excuse me, baking powder, salt, flour, butter and milk. Or in this case, I used sheep's milk because I had it, which was really quite great for baking because it was really rich. Gosh, you know what you could do? There's this sounds so weird, but I so when I was making my bootleg mix, and we can talk about that another later because I'm going to do a second one and then I will give you the recipe. Then I will give you the recipe. But I went to the Shanghai market, which uh-huh. is the little sweet Asian store up on Hopkins, you know, the supermarket. And um, and they had uh, I buy milk in cans there because uh-huh. I don't buy milk because it goes bad. Sure. But I want to use it. They have milk that is just like little cans of Japanese milk, and it's like it's not Japanese milk, but you know what I mean. Yep. And but it's like lightly sweetened. I wonder if you use that in your shortcake. Shortcake, and then you didn't have to add any extra sugar. Yum. 
It would be interesting. It could be. Or you could also use like coconut milk too to True. give it like a kind of Thai, maybe basil-y flavor. Oh, you could make some Thai biscuits. I know. Which wouldn't they that don't be have good? biscuits in Thailand, really, I don't think. <laughs> but this is the but you could be some, right, right. everything some Thai flavor. are experiencing, things we're influenced by. Yeah. So these are, I just did sour cream and chive biscuits. And you can, you know, if you don't have sour cream, you can use plain yogurt. You can use buttermilk. Like, they're very forgiving. Can I just say chives are the thing that, like, is the only thing we use in our tuna salad, too. Like, if you're making, if there's chives up, you're kind of like, oh, I kind of want some tuna salad. Because we just just jam our tuna salad with chives. And so it's good. like the only, sometimes just like the reason to have scrambled eggs for dinner or grilled toasts. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like just some grilled toast with a little chive butter on mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Yum. It's delicious. Or how about, um, yeah, like that's the idea of doing the Rubbing fr- chive the butter savory. under the chicken skin. Yeah. When you like roast a chicken. Oh, that would be amazing. Yum. I was thinking about the savory French toast situation where like you do the batter, but you don't do sugar and then you... Top it with a bunch of chives and goat cheese. Yeah. And goat cheese and chives is like a natural marriage. So you just whip that up with maybe a little bit of yogurt, a little bit of whatever to give a little uh, thinner consistency. Mm -hmm. And then put that in a bowl with a little garlic olive oil. Yeah. Yeah. The Greek yogurt, like that situation, that has just become like completely even more so lately. My like sort of sauce of choice or like anything for like trying to make a you know like a creamy thing not 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 even because like i don't want to use sour cream or or mayonnaise and all the rest more because i have it on hand and it is just as delicious that's always in my cart yes like i don't think i go to the store even if i'm just picking up something quick yeah without picking up a five percent faya yogurt yeah i use it plain we use it in Everything. Everything. Just like a moisture agent. I have salad dressing. I'm on the Siggies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like the that skier. too. The skier is to me because that was like, and that's almost like you can almost think of it like a cheese in a yeah. lot of ways. So, yeah. Kurt doesn't love that. And he's the I'm one who the eats the yogurt plain. Oh. So I feel like I got to kind of get what he likes the plain. He used to um, get like all these sugary yogurts. Yeah. And I was like, no, you no. can't eat that. It's too much sugar. So he gets the plain yogurt and puts a teaspoon of sugar on it. Which is still about still 15 teaspoons less, less than would be if uh-huh. he got like uh, Chobani, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. I know. So. I only do like the natural fruit ones that have, well, I do the skier, which is like, I just do Icelandic yogurt now. Because yeah, it's so, good. so good. Love it. All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and take a break. That's the Chiva Palooza. I'll Chiva-palooza. put the recipes up. There's 26 of them. I like everything I could find that had chives in it. I was like, I'll just put a Chiva Palooza together. You're funny. Um, we have a question that we're going to need Neither listeners' us, yeah. help with. Neither of us can solve this. I tried as well. Okay. So when we come back, you're listening to The Weekly Dish presented by Hornitos. And we're going to do the Ask Stephanie portion next. 651-641-1071. If you want to call in and tell us what you do with chives, you want to ask a question about service. You want to talk about your favorite restaurant you went to or, God forbid, how Stephanie made her bootleg or give us a call. (laughs) This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show where we take your calls and we help you with your questions, your conundrums. 651-641-1071. If you call in right now, we'll take your question live on the air. And we have a conundrum that I'm just going to throw out there, a listener uh, reached me by a Facebook messenger. And if you like are during the week and you're trying to like figure out where can I meet this friend for breakfast over in the west side of town, you can always find Stephanie at Stephanie March on Instagram. I'm at Stephanie's Dish. You can find Steph on Twitter at Steph March. I'm at Stephanie's Dish. You can find us on the My Talk 1071 show page. There's a link to us. 
And, you know, we are available in all the things. Facebook, wherever you are, we are. 651-641-1071. You can call us live on the air right now. But I got a person who sent me a Facebook message and was like, hey, do you know who was at the Linden Hills Farmer's Market last year that had a delicious onion jam? And I, like, tried to find it. I threw it out on the grams thinking somebody would know and nobody has replied or has helped this person through me find out who it was that had this onion jam. So I did a little quick look, but honestly, I don't, I didn't have the time this week to like dig into it, but I would suggest for her, if anybody knows, great, let us know and we'll pass it on. But the other thing, she should just contact the organizers of the farmer's market and send them a note. I guess, like maybe through Facebook, there's always an email located, usually right on your Facebook. I thought maybe it was Riff Raff Minneapolis. Um, This is a woman, she's incredible, her name's Rita, and she goes into people's houses and apartments and wherever people have extra fruit, they call her. It's called gleaning. Yeah, and she goes like, if you have like a bunch of raspberry bushes that you can't pick, she'll go and get all this fruit and she just makes jams out of it. Yep. She's got a give back model. She's just incredible. She'll be at uh, Stone Arch Bridge Festival coming up mm, Father's Day weekend. That's very cool. Yeah, she has really delicious. She makes those um, pickled cranberries, too, that are so amazing in oh, drinks. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, hey, listen, I did want to shout out uh, Launa Bread, which is a little bakery on East Lake Street. They have uh, Heavy Table just tweeted out something and then I looked on their Facebook page, but they have a neighborhood rhubarb swap. Like, if you have extra rhubarb, bring it to Launa Bread, and then they will give you a pastry or a croissant as payment for it. You know, like a pastry as a whatever you want. What a great idea. Yeah, so they're doing it, I think, today and tomorrow, it looks like. So if you've got some extra rhubarb, you want to get rid of it, and you want some some awesome pastry action, do that. I love it. Launa Bread, L-A-U-N-E. Okay, we have Kathy on the line, and I think Kathy has a question about chives. Hi, Kathy. Hi, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I was wondering, can you plant a little chives in a small container, or do they have to go in the ground? No, I have container chives. I have okay. 100% have container chives. In fact, I'm going to go buy two more containers to split them and get more. They will grow. Great. and The th- the chives that I had at my old house, they were in one container, and I just that was the one container, and every year they just come back. And you they can leave that back. container outside. Yeah, I left it all winter long. So they like overwinter just like they would in the ground or you can put it in your garage and then just haul it out in the spring and they'll start growing again. Fantastic. I love chives. Yes, they're wonderful. We used to call them, I called them driveway chives, you know, all these last house (laughs) because they were just along my driveway and I would just pop out to the driveway, get some chives and come back and make my tuna salad. That's awesome. All right. So good luck with your chives. Um, we have a caller that did not want to go live on the air, which is always sad, but we understand. Uh, she wants to know how to cook eggplants. I got a couple. Okay, go ahead. Well, the easiest way is probably to cut them in half, rub them with a little olive oil, and just turn them upside down on a silpat or a parchment paper and roast them. Mm-hmm. And you roast them until the skin, because they're now cut side down, starts to get real wrinkly and they look like they're sort of caved in. Then you take them out of the oven and you scoop out all of that roasted flesh and you put it in a blender or a Cuisinart and you blend it with a little bit of garlic, a little bit of olive oil, and you make a baba ganoush. You can add cilantro if you want, parsley, but 
So that's one easy way. Yeah, I was going to say that too. My Yeah, I remember just taking it and sticking it on a fork and sticking it over the gas burner and just letting yeah, it char. Yeah, you can do that too. Just char it like on the outside so that it's super, so that it blisters and it flakes and everything else. And then you throw that whole thing into the blender. I don't even fork it. I just yeah, no. leave it literally there. Yeah, for like, just, but I mean like, yeah, you can literally I just lay it sit down there, there on mm-hmm. the burner and just let it. Do you do it with the skin too? Yeah. If you have a Vitamix, it'll get rid of that skin. Yeah, it gives well, a little it incorporates bit of tart. it a little bit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it gives it a nice little smoky flavor. Yeah. Um, one other thought too is grilling eggplant is real easy. You can do it a couple ways. If you've got the big fat ones yeah you can just cut them into rounds uh rub them with a little bit of olive oil and grill them until they get the grill marks and then just serve them like that mm-hmm. if they're older and tougher i like to take a vegetable peeler and like go every other so that there's enough skin to hold it together but some of that skin can get kind of tough yeah on a grilled eggplant or last but not least cut the ends off and slice some like planks yeah and so you have grilled planks and you can either just grill those and serve them you can grill them and then put like a little ricotta in them and do the little roll-ups Rappy, with a little basil. Yep. yep. Or you can just put them on a platter with dollops of like, in this case, plain yogurt, which is my favorite condiment, a little salt, a little uh, cut up mint. Yeah. And then maybe even like a little chimichurri drizzle. Sure. There's a lot of things sure. you can do with eggplant. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, don't be scared of it, I guess. Yeah, don't be scared don't of eggplant. Don't be scared of eggplant. It's not here to hurt you. I grew it last year up north, and I got one, and it was a sad little one. There's not in a large enough growing season. But in the Twin Cities, you can grow them. Oh. Um, it, this whole growing season, Stephanie and I were talking about it. Yeah. It's going to be real crazy because things are just cold. I know. And the and ground isn't warm enough for things. Well, it, I mean, it is. It's getting warmer. It's just I think we're just late. You know, we're delayed. And that yeah. was the big thing was sort of like, get your stuff in if you want to, for sure. But don't worry too hard about it. Larry Farr, who was on our he show a couple weeks that. ago. He and I've said, heard that from other people, too. Yeah, he was like, I've planted tomatoes as late as June 15th. He's like, all of a sudden they get a burst of heat and they just go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And there's people who are still just like, I'm going to actually have to go buy some pots today to kind of get some of the last bits of like, I got some tomatoes that I didn't put in and I got some more basil because I was like, oh, I think I want more basil. I'm sort of stalking you like whenever you post a picture of anything, I'm like blowing it up and looking at your containers, your yard. Oh my God. My yard is I'm like, what is Stephanie? What did she plant her planters yet? No, but I'll show you my tree. You guys, here's the plant too. I just want everyone to like take a flyer this year and put some mint in a container. Yeah. Because honestly, and like that is just the gift that keeps on giving. I would say just plant it anywhere in your yard. Anywhere. It spreads. And that's, well, that's, I want it to spread. I'm going to put, I'm going to plant it over by kind of the area where, by the way, Jake found another morel. So I feel like I must have moved into that house for a reason. But just recently. Yeah. Okay. Cause like, it's cold enough that they're still harvesting. them. Yeah. They're still around. There's I need like, to it look. was this week he poked over and he's like, there's one on the other side of the fence. And so he went in and yeah, got it. I need to look. I'm in an old Oak forest. You I'm sure there's look. some. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be back with our two when we come back.